Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. show for you today in what has been the craziest offseason in maybe forever it's only fitting we figure out the biggest long-term winners and losers from all the madness so we brought in a special guest who knows dynasty probably better than anyone for our dynasty stock report all right here on the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network with the Ernest Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. Cole, the last two weeks, we talked best ball with Josh Larkey and Jamie Eisner. This week, we're having some more dynasty discussions. Next week, I kind of teased you this. I haven't talked to you about this yet, but I have an idea for something really weird, something really unique with redraft. So we're really checking all the boxes here in the offseason. Yeah, I'm really on the edge of my seat. I'm dying to know what what you've hooked up for next week. But yeah, Dynasty this week, it's been a nice change of pace after you, Jamie Eisner, and uh, uh, Josh Larkey have talked my ear off about best ball over the past two weeks. So I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah, and who better to help us than with the Dynasty Stock Report of the offseason? You may know him from his work with the Fantasy Footballers and on the Tackle Dummies podcast. Please welcome Jeff Greenwood. Jeff, it is so awesome to have you on. Thank you. Also, that was a killer intro. Oh. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I just I just recycle all of them at this point. Just fill in the blank. All right, let's see who we got. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we're, we're super psyched to have you, especially get into some dynasty as well. We I, I feel like we definitely do more redraft on the show, especially during the season, but we've loved to branch out. And for anyone who isn't too familiar with dynasty or doesn't even know what the heck it is, uh, feel free to just give a quick intro into what dynasty is maybe some tips advice how it's different from quote normal fantasy football go for it sure so and and again thanks for having me on guys this is this is a blast i'm honored um so for dynasty i started maybe four or five years ago um i think it seems intimidating to a lot of people at first but i think the typical path is you know people degenerates like us you know get into fantasy football and then and then the off season comes and it's like i'm craving that so dynasty is essentially, you normally have like 30 person teams, big benches. You do a draft once you keep those players forever. You can do trades, you can do rookie drafts. Um, so it's, it's a longer, you know, permanent term type of game. I wrote a few articles on fantasy football. There's one that's um, the mindset of a dynasty manager. Another one is how to start a dynasty league. So if you, if you search um, for me, if you just search Jeff Greenwood football on Google, I'll pop up you'll see my articles have some of those on there. I think in general, my favorite thing about Dynasty is just that you can get the players that you really like. It's it's really long term, and if you get a group of people you know to play with that um, are are really as obsessed as you are, I mean, there's nothing better than doing fantasy trades in like May. You know, for for those of us that are still into that degenerate is a fantastic word to describe exactly what we are. All the different types of fantasy football and. 
you know, feel free, feel free throughout the episode as we like go on and we talk about the players whose stocks have risen throughout the soft season and subsequently fallen. Give a couple dynasty tips, uh, tricks of the trade, any sort of advice, because I feel generally the idea with dynasty is, and I, this can be a misconception at times is, Oh, you want the younger players. You want the younger players, screw the old players. But, and I think Matthew Barry said this, our, uh, tweeted this out like a couple weeks ago you know you really got to know where your team stands if you think if you think you can compete this year then go for the the players that you want regardless of their age like you're trying to win you're trying to win but if you feel like your team isn't of uh championship caliber feel free to blow it all up you know you're like playing madden franchise or something go target the young guy so can you kind of uh, attest to those like different mindsets when you're playing dynasty yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great advice. I think that's that's a big important step is where am I in the league? Look at the other teams. Are are you top four? Then you're a contender. Um, if you're bottom, it's like maybe, maybe you blow it up. And, and the cool thing about Dynasty is you have a different subset of, um, of assets compared to, to redraft. So, for example, um, you know, if you want to blow something up, what you can do is you can trade a player like a Derrick Henry. Trading an older running back if you're not in win now mode is generally a good strategy because their stock just dies off. There's a lot of really good research on that. Uh, but typically like around 27 is like the running back death age. Mm. Um, that being said, if you are one of the top four teams, um, I think going after those guys is a good strategy because people do worry too much about age. At the end of the day, it's the same as redraft where the goal is to win, right? So I have some leagues where I've got no players like older than 25 just because it's, I, I did a, I did a blow up. I have a lot of rookie picks um, and not a lot of good, good production at the moment that actually helps you out in a way, because when you're doing a rebuild, when your team is worse, you finish later on or, or further behind other people in the league and you get a better rookie pick. Alternatively, when you're in win now mode, I personally like to trade away tr- future draft picks. I mean, you have this pool of assets. If you're in win now mode, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're the Buccaneers and, and you can trade away a future draft pick and get one more strong run with Brady, why not do it? Because at the end of the day, again, the goal is to win a championship. It's unrealistic to think you're going to win five years in a row. That doesn't really happen. Um, so, you know, plan a window, whether it's now or if you're rebuilding, maybe do it in two, three years. It's a good range. And then I like to I like to pull those things together. So I have a, a two year striking window type thing. If that doesn't get people playing Dynasty, then I don't know what is. That gave me goosebumps. Cool. I am amped up right now to keep talking more about Dynasty. So let's start. I mean, I tasked each of you and myself, of course, with picking two players who saw their stocks soar this offseason and two players who saw their stocks dip down. So we will start with the positives. We'll start with you, Jeff, as our guest. The first player that you think saw his stock rise based on all the hecticness of this offseason. The floor is yours, my friend. Sure. So the first one I'm going to say is J.K. Dobbins. Um, he's going into his third year with the Ravens. He's, I looked up on um, one of the popular sites that does aggregate rankings, and um, he's RB16 in Dynasty mm-hmm. as a consensus ranking. Um, they traded away Hollywood Brown. They re-signed fullback one of my friends, Pat Ricard, to a long-term deal. Um, everything that they're doing suggests that they're going back to a run-heavy offense. Um, I think the concern with Dobbins is that he didn't catch a lot of passes, but he had that skill set in college. Um, I think for, for me, Dobbins is a pretty good bet to be a back-end 
running back one. Probably not going to be a top three guy. Um, I love Dobbins because the, the team, again, wants to run. All the moves they've done this offseason show that they want to run. RB16 is a pretty good price. People forgot about him a little bit because he was injured last year. Um, he's healthy. And I am all about J.K. Dobbins and getting a piece of that Ravens running back. Mm-hmm. Are you worried that he's not going to have enough opportunity? What with Lamar Jackson being probably, arguably, the prime rushing threat and then other guys like Gus Edwards or Mike Davis stealing carries? How, how worried are you about that? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I think they are going to steal a lot of carries. Um, I had this, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I think over the past four years, the Ravens have been top three in rush attempts every single time. Um, granted, a lot of that is going to Lamar Jackson. There's plenty of work. I think that's the that's the the move that I, I think is going to happen is Gus Edwards, one of the most underrated backups in the league. He's getting kind of older. He's a guy I like to target in drafts too, especially if I don't have J.K. Dobbins. I'll try to gamble for the for the best case scenario when I, you know, game theory type strategy. So so yes, I do think that other people are going to steal his work. But as we saw with Mark Ingram from I don't know 2018 or something like that, you can he got just rushes for the most part a lot of touchdowns and um, still was an RB one. I think Dobbins can follow that model while still getting say 60% of the work or something in that neighborhood. All right. So clearly you want a piece of the best offenses, whether they're great at passing the ball or great at running the ball. So JK Dobbins, first player, dynasty sock Rose Cole, you got another player to match. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to another area of the AFC with Michael Pittman who had his first 1,000-yard season with an erratic Carson Wentz throwing him the football. And I say erratic, but Wentz, he wasn't terrible from a statistics standpoint in Indy. 27 touchdowns against seven interceptions. But if you look at his completion percentage, 62.4% and 57.4% the last two years, it was clear that his accuracy continued to suffer, even with an array of targets on the Colts, one of the best offensive lines in football, and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. That's why he's out of there. But Matt Ryan, he comes in and he inherits all of that. Ryan stays composed when Wentz becomes inaccurate and careless. And excusing last season, Ryan had not failed to throw for less than 4,000 yards in a season since 2011, more than a decade ago. And he was 32 passing yards um, away from it in 2021. So what this proves is that the Colts will feel like they can actually drive the ball through the air with a 24-year-old Pittman being the focal threat in the offense rather than last year where the pass game, it kind of seemed like it was merely a decoy, right, to set up Taylor. So the Colts, they're primed to throw the ball more, and Pittman's on-target looks should shoot up, and that will overall increase his production and his red zone efficiency. I think he only had like five or six touchdowns last season. And of course, he is the number one receiving threat on that team. We, Jeff, a couple weeks ago, we did, we went through all the rookie wide receivers with Josh Larkey. We all came to the consensus. Alec Pierce, eh, he's, he's probably not the guy there, but I'm glad you brought up Pittman because there was another, there was another receiver who I thought his stock improved. And it was Cortland Sutton of Denver. This is my first player. But then I realized if I think Sutton's going to, see his dynasty stock increase. I should probably give some credit to Jerry Judy, maybe even KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick, who Jamie Eisner lauded last week. Look, we know Russell Wilson's locked in as a starting quarterback for at least another two seasons, at least contractually. You got Cortland Sutton, who, yeah, he was coming off an injury, but he's now 27. He's going to be locked in contractually as well.
well. Jerry Judy, 23 years old. He's got two years left in his rookie deal with another option. So these guys could be in a prime situation, not just this season, but beyond. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, the number one quarterback they've had within their playing career. Sorry, Joe Flacco. Sorry, Drew Locke. You are not Russell Wilson. And, you know, so I think Sutton is probably the biggest benefactor because unlike Judy, we've actually seen Sutton dominate. He, he was a pro bowler. He had a, a thousand yards uh, in 2019. And then the other two seasons that he was healthy, he eclipsed 700 receiving yards. So I really like Sutton, not just for this season, but obviously in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to dynasty long-term, Judy's a bit more of a question mark, but I feel like if anyone's going to be able to have him reach his ceiling, It'll be a player like Russell Wilson. So uh, clearly big winners of the offseason, the Denver wide receivers. You can even throw KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick in there as well. But Sutton, Judy, their stocks soaring, soaring. And Jeff, if I'm not mistaken, you have another receiver who you think his stock rose after this offseason as well. Your final player who you think uh, is in the positive aspect of the dynasty stock watch here on BFP. Yeah, so in this one, this one is going to be I, I kind of changed the rules because I wanted to pick this player. Hmm. Um, for so sorry about that. But Go for it. I think his ADP has, um, you know, has fallen, but I my perception of the value I think went up tremendously. So in other words, he went from a player that I liked in the season, and I, I really, really like. He's on on a ton of my teams now, um, and that's Devonta Smith with the Eagles. So they did trade for AJ Brown. AJ Brown's going to take away some targets. Um, one of the things that I like to do in Dynasty is use long-term analytics to make gambles. And one of the long-term analytics, and I wrote about this in my, my most recent article. Um, well, actually, I, I stole a snippet from an article that, that Jason Moore and uh, Matt DeSorbo did for the fantasy footballers last year. Matt is a PhD student at Harvard, very good with data analytics. They did a study and they found that um, sophomore wide receivers with an average draft position between rounds four and eight outperformed their ADP 70% of the time the next year. Wow. So the, the takeaway there is sophomores are good, um, you know, group to target in redraft. And I, I think that the, the opportunity is there for dynasty as well. He's 23. Um, he's ranked as dynasty wide receiver 25. And Devonta Smith had five games last season over 15 points. By comparison, Jamar Chase had seven. Obviously, Chase is the much better player, much more productive. I'm going to gamble on Devonta Smith and, and go with that stat. I think he had some, you know, some good games, and there's some question marks, but at wide receiver 25, he is like one of the number one most attractive players to trade for in Dynasty for me. I will admit, I was looking forward to your answer because in my mind it's like all right aj brown clearly the new wide receiver one there is this an offense that can sustain two wide receiver ones uh fantasy or at least not even wide receiver ones just a wide receiver two or even wide receiver three in fantasy and the answer at least in my mind is i don't know so are you worried that jalen hurts isn't going to be able to take that next step or maybe if we're really starting to get like galaxy brain here Hertz doesn't succeed. Philadelphia moves on, finds a quarterback who can sustain Brown and Smith in the future. Like, are you, are you considering all those possibilities too? I feel like you kind of have to at this point. It's a, it's a great question. And, and I think you're, you know, you're spot on with the question. That's a million dollar question. Can Jalen Hurts, um, you know, support two really good wide receivers? 
In, in, I mean, my honest answer is I don't know. That my, my thought process is at a macro level, I'm taking a gamble based on numbers from the past, from that study. He's a player that I think it's just, it's in the realm of possibilities that he becomes the wide receiver one for the team over the next year or two. I'm not banking on that, but what I'm looking at is a wide receiver 25. To me, that's enough of a discount, and I think it's on the lower end of his range of possibilities to all gamble when other people are scared. So it's like, you know, stock markets down. That's when you buy. That's kind of my thought process. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I don't feel um, super confident to say, yes, um, you know, the Eagles are going to have the best wide receiver core in the NFL, but I think it's the range of possibilities that he finishes in the back end of a wide receiver one, you know, I'll gamble on Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. A really good strategy for anyone trying to get into Dynasty or is uh, a young Dynasty player for sure. Cole, your second player that you think, man, like the, this stock on this player after this offseason, it's looking pretty darn good. Who Who is it? And tell us why. Yeah, I love the risk-reward analysis in Jeff's statement there. So let's talk a play, about a player who bet on himself last year on a one-year deal, joining a backfield that favored Chase Edmonds as its primary rusher. James Connor, right? When Edmonds got hurt, Connor ran away with the lead role. His 202 attempts were the most he had since 2018, and he was startlingly productive in goal line situations. He racked up 15 touchdowns on the ground. He's also a serviceable receiver, nothing like Edmonds, but with 37 catches last season, uh, I mean, he was he was decent there, and he should see a chunk of the third down work this season. And once the Cardinals they resigned him to a three year deal, they didn't touch a running back um, outside of the draft. So Connor's potential challengers are Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin, and Keontae Ingram. That's what's on the depth chart currently. And none of those guys I perceive to be real threats to Connor's workload. And nobody in your league is going to hassle you for Connor because he's 27 years old. And like Jeff said earlier, aging running backs are kind of a no-go in dynasty leagues. But as of right now, he's primed for a 1,000-yard season on the ground for the rest of his contract with plenty of painter in the end zone and receiving duties to boot. So if you do have Connor on your dynasty roster, you should feel pretty good about yourself um, because he was pretty cheap in drafts last season. If you did do your dynasty league draft last season, like I did. So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about Connor. What about you guys? I am so curious as to how much that hurt you to talk slander about your boy Eno Benjamin as a fellow Arizona (laughs) State student I I was always under the impression that Benjamin could be that guy to replace Chase Edmonds uh but I I'm kind of with you on that especially yeah yeah he's he's just kind of there maybe uh, Keontae Ingram does something I don't know Jeff is there any any other guys we should really worry about in the Arizona backfield or is is James Conner the guy here for at least another season or two James Conner's a guy. It's I think that's a great pick. He I am going to be 100% honest. I had zero shares of him last year. I didn't realize how good of a season he had until the end of the season when I was looking at rankings. I completely, you know, went went past me. That's a great player to go after for winning teams, like you were saying, Cole. And then uh, alternative, the other side of that is if you're a rebuilding team at Dynasty, like you should not have him. You should trade him away. There's There's players like that that are very specific about – you know, where, where they belong in terms of the types of teams in your league. Great pick. Let's talk about another Arizona Cardinal then a new Arizona Cardinal also sticking with the theme of, you know, receivers who have been severely impacted in a positive way. Marquise Brown's on the Cardinals now. And 
if he stayed on the Ravens, I would have had a lot more uh, hesitancy to draft him because of that fit in Baltimore, but he got out and look, he'll at least be another car- a Cardinal for another two years. He turns 25 in less than a week. So the trajectory is there. He's a better fit in this offense that does tend to push the ball a lot more vertically and a lot more successfully than Baltimore did. It is interesting to me though, because I, I, originally, I'm thinking about this. All right, there's obviously those six weeks in the season where Marquise Brown could easily be a wide receiver one, like in fantasy overall, maybe even a top five receiver, just based on sheer volume with DeAndre Hopkins suspended. But then I got to thinking, DeAndre Hopkins is a really good receiver. I'm not disputing that by any means. But there is a strong possibility, at least in my mind, that come – 2023 2024 you told me Marquise Brown's the wide receiver one for the Cardinals and not Hopkins I wouldn't be too shocked and again it's nothing to do with Hopkins's talent it's just like look the injuries and then the he got suspended so again he can totally come back and be the Hopkins that we have grown accustomed to seeing but I think that the possibility of such a great fit with Brown reuniting with Kyler Murray in an offense that seems to fit exactly what Brown wants in the NFL. I think all of a sudden there is this possibility that Brown is the number one receiver on the Cardinals in the future. And to me, that's a gamble I'm willing to take. I have noticed his ADP rise by like three rounds since the trade. So the value may not be great, but I think his stock right now, sky high. I love the fit. Are we in out on Marquise Brown, Jeff? You're you're the expert here. I want to know if we agree on this. I, it's a great pick, and Hopkins is injured. I, I don't remember when he comes back or how much time he's supposed to miss. Um, I think I don't. You know, I don't know if he was going to be ready by week one, but he, he he's not going to be ready now with the suspension for six weeks. Oh, that's it was a suspension. I was getting that mixed up. That's right. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's a great um, thing because again, even in dynasty, you're still you still want to win this year. Um, great pick, Marquise Brown was productive with Lamar in a, in a low passing volume offense and smaller guys. So I think people kind of have this perception about him that he, that he can't be an alpha. Um, I think it's a great, great person to, to trade for in dynasty. Mm-hmm. Well, those were the players who we thought the stocks were looking pretty good. And we're going to get to the, the stocks that we think are fall in this offseason in a second. But speaking of stocks on the rise, you got to be talking about link me when you're talking about apps and sites that are, hitting their ceilings and then some link me l-i-n-k-m-e is not only one of the world's fastest growing social media sites but it is also a link sharing platform it is perfect for people who have content all over the place and then some to have it in one page and then simply share it with your audience for me my tiktok my twitter my podcast my website all in one page if i still played video games i'd have my playstation tag on there too and it's super easy comes with a qr code anyone can scan it have access to all your content and again it's a great way to connect with everyone from around the world that's a link me l-i-n-k-m-e download it today with however you get your apps and we are still here on the breakout football podcast with jeff greenwood i'm zach cohen alongside cole topham we just talked positively it's time to get a a little negative hate to say it but we each picked two players whose stocks took a dip this offseason in dynasty jeff why don't you kick things off with one player who all of a sudden Dynasty future not looking too bright. I'll kick it off with Tyler Lockett. He's 29. He, he got a big payday last year. 
But Russell Wilson obviously went to the Broncos, which goes to your pick for uh, Cortland Sutton. So, you know, they, it's I don't even know if we know who's the quarterback's going to be in Seattle at the moment. Um, Lockett is also a guy that generally I never really had very many shares of because he's a big boomer bust guy. So at the end of the year, if you look at how he finished, he normally finishes pretty well. But he's a guy that you can't trust on a week-to-week basis. And then, you know, he has four bad weeks. You don't start him, and then he has a 40-point game. He's a player that I, I didn't really um, like to draft before with the quarterback change. I think that, you know, he's, he's going to be a really difficult player to trust in your lineup. He's wide receiver 44 in consensus ranks. And, um, yeah, he's 29 years old, so he's, he uh, has a steep decline, I think, coming. Unless Geno Smith or Drew Locke it, it become the second coming of uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it, it pains me. I love I love most of the players that we all chose, like from a football standpoint. But dynasty, fantasy football, not looking too good. So that was your first player, Cole. You got another player. Are you sticking with the same position? Are you you looking at the wide receivers? We talked a lot about that position today. Is that where you're going to? Yeah, I'm going wide receiver again, and I'm not going to spend too much time recapping what I said about Wentz, all that slander. (laughs) But Terry McLaurin goes from one of the worst quarterback situations in the league to the gunslinger who single-handedly lost the faith of the coach who advocated for him to join the Colts in the first place, and then that same coach wanted him gone as soon as free agency hit. So on top of that, the commanders used a first-round pick on Penn State big play receiver Jahan Dotson to supplement McLaurin and possibly cover their tracks if they don't fork over the contract McLaurin wants. So if McLaurin stays, his situation probably regresses. He's gotten good volume the past two seasons from Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but the quality of that volume isn't going to increase with Wentz under center. So his massive target share will also be divided up considerably with Dotson in the mix. Plus, the commanders bolstered their backfield this season or this offseason by keeping McKissick in-house and then drafting Brian Robinson out of Alabama. And of course, Antonio Gibson is still in the mix. So they could run the ball more and keep the ball out of Wentz and McLaurin's hands. So I just don't like the situation at all. It reminds me of DJ Moore and all the terrible quarterback play he's had to deal with. But unlike DJ Moore, McLaurin still has a way out of Washington. And that's if he demands his $20 million a year and forces his way out of the team. So there's still hope in this situation, but if McLaurin signs pen to paper on a long-term deal that will keep him in Washington, I mean, I just, I don't like this situation much for him at all. I think I speak for everyone who plays fantasy football. Please get Terry McLaurin out of Washington, away from Carson Wentz, away from that whole situation. Uh, Before I go to my next player, Jeff, I want to pick your brain about something real quick because you, you look at a player like McLaurin who right now, not a good situation. I agree with everything Cole was saying. At what point do you take into the consideration that People are undervaluing him right now, but just like that, he can go to a really good situation and suddenly be a really good dynasty receiver. At what point do you really take that uh, into account? That's a great question. I, I think it's a, it's a really hard thing to do. I mean, you get a good example um, that for, for those that have been playing fantasy for a while, it was um, the, oh crap, now I can't even remember his name, Atlanta, <laughs> Tevin Coleman. He was in Atlanta and he was behind Devonta Freeman and everybody's like, free him, free him, free him, free him. And then he went to like the 49ers and he just immediately everyone was excited. And then he was like, terrible. 
was it the 49ers that Coleman went to? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so with McLaurin, like you said, I mean, his range of possibilities could be he goes to a team like, you know, Kansas City or, or whatever, um, and his stock immediately rises. For me, the way I'd handle that is if I'm a contender, if I'm one of those top four teams in the league, I would not want to have him on, on my roster. I don't think he helps you in the first half of the season as much as his value is in Dynasty. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if I'm a rebuilding team, I'll gamble on those players all the time. If I can gamble on someone that I think has a chance that their stock rises in the next two years, I think it's a good move. You know, buy in the cheap and, again, build for that, that window two years from now where you're trying to strike and win that championship. Mm-hmm. Some more good tips. I should be writing this down. Luckily, uh, anyone who's listening to this hopefully is following the podcast on whatever podcast platform they're using, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, the Believe website. Feel free to drop a review, a rating while you're at it. We love those. Uh, those are great. One thing I did not personally love this season was uh, – this offseason, at least, was how my boy Nick Chubb is looking in Dynasty right now. Still a phenomenal player. He's always that guy where people are like, oh, he's such a good player, but do I really want him in fantasy? Eh, probably not. Now with Deshaun Watts, I mean, that is the big X factor because we haven't seen Chubb play with a quarterback who was nearly as half as good as Watson. Whether Watson actually plays this season or not, it's a whole other whole other story, whole other uh, implication on Nick Chubb's value. But aside from that, we can look at Chubb's overall profile here. He's not 27 yet. He's got seven more months until he is 27. So he's 26 for you math majors out there. So he's getting to that dead zone right away. Uh, But you also kind of got to look at the running back landscape, right? And how teams are valuing their running backs. Chubb is in his second deal right now. He's about to be in year two of a new contract that runs through 2024. There is a potential out after 2023 if the Browns for some strange reason don't have the cap space to upgrade the rest of their roster gee I wonder why Deshaun Watson uh but they can save four million dollars if they cut him again this is kind of what you talked about Jeff too that's a possibility but is that a a likely direct one that could happen soon not really but coupling that with all the factors based on how his uh decline in potential usage with Deshaun Watson there. Uh, Kareem Hunt is still there. The age, not playing a full slate of games every season. Those all, to me, make the arrow point pretty down for Chubb. If I had him on a dynasty team, and again, you got to look at your whole roster, but he seems like a player I would want to sell. Well, what do you think, Jeff? Where do you stand on Nick Chubb right now in dynasty? Yeah, so I think, I think your point of, you know, he's an older guy. He's, he's a player that I'm probably the opposite as you. I, I, I like him a lot. But, but again, for a winning team, if you're rebuilding, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have him on your team. The reason I like him is because this is going to sound a little bit strange, but there, there's a lot of, um, I guess, insults against him as a player for fantasy where it's, you know, he's a good real-life player. He doesn't catch the ball a ton. You got Deshaun Watson coming in. Kareem Hunt is a really, really good running back. But for that reason, I think he drops down – like every, every time I think about Nick Chubb, I'm like, I don't really, I'm not going to draft him at, at the spot that he's at because I, I'd rather get someone that gets, you know, catches as well. He's always incredibly productive. And every year he's got a stretch where I'm like, why do I, why did I not draft Nick Chubb? So I think that combined with his age and the changes in the Browns, he's a player that I, I think I drafted him in one league that I also drafted like Tom Brady and, and Leonard Fournette. 
like Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, James Conner, to me are in a similar window where it's like, I want them at all costs if I'm in a win now situation, but, but then the rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. Ship them off. Mm-hmm. You're kind of looking at the crowd thing seeing, well, you all hate them. So, Hey, if you want to sell them to me for, you know, very cheap, I'll gladly take them. Is that, that's yes. what you're saying, right? Basically. That, yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right, cool. See, I, I, we can, we can speak and listen at the same time here on BFP. Well, we each got one more player left. Who's, Stock took a dip this offseason. Jeff, who is your final player? My final, my final player is another wide receiver. It's uh, Tyreek Hill. So he got traded to the Dolphins. Um, he's still a freak athlete. He's 28. He's on the older side. I, I think, you know, I, I had drafted him in a startup league, I think like four hours before he got traded. So it's kind of bummed out. Just generally speaking, the Dolphins aren't going to score as much as the Chiefs. I think that simple fact, with his age, you get a you get a you know new quarterback that he's with, um, and they've got a new head coach in Miami. I think he'll be pretty good, but he's he's a player that if you have him on your team, uh, you probably can't trade him away because I don't think anybody's going to pay what um, you'd be willing to move him for. Um, so if you're like me and you have him on your team and you cry a little bit, it's okay. <laughs> Um, just hold, but he's a player that I think is a lot of, you know, drop in stock this off season. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver market, this whole off season. God damn. Look what Christian Kirk did. Christian Kirk <laughs> screwed up everything. His agents <laughs> got the bag though. So at least props to them. Uh, Cole, your final player for our first ever BFP dynasty stock report. Yeah, it's uh, James Robinson. And there's a few factors at play here. Travis Etienne is now healthy. Um, and the Jaguars, determined to help out Trevor Lawrence, and rightfully so, spent a quarter of a billion dollars in free agency, which included pass catchers like Christian Kirk, mm. Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, right? So Robinson, who was actually quite productive out of the backfield last season, is expected to relinquish those receiving duties, if not more, to ETN. And remember, ETN shared a backfield with Lawrence for his entire collegiate career. So those two have chemistry. They, they trust each other. They've won national titles together. Robinson kind of seems like the odd man out in this offense. And I liken him to a poor man's Nick Chubb. He won't get the same volume as Chubb. And the Jaguars will be playing from behind most of the time. So ETN will benefit from catch-up scenarios um, in-game. We're having the designated receiving back. And Lawrence's longtime pass blocker will be valuable. And I hate to say it, but with ETN back up to full strength, it's his backfield now. And Robinson, who was a nice surprise as an undrafted free agent turned uh, fantasy darling two seasons ago, I think he's going to be left caught out to dry. Man, imagine being the one to pick up James Robinson, reap the rewards of him in his rookie season, just to trade him away in Dynasty. You probably got a pretty hefty bag from him. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, speaking of another running back, and this is funny because, Jeff, last week uh, with Jamie Eisner on, we talked about players who we think their stocks could rise throughout this offseason. And Cole said, I think that could be Zamir White, the rookie running back for the Raiders but I hate it. He's like, I think this will happen, <laughs> but I hate it. I do not want to touch Zamir White. Well, sorry to any Raiders fans listening. We're going to keep slandering your backfield because my player whose stock dropped this offseason is Josh Jacobs, and I think it's pretty obvious why. Nothing Vegas has done this summer has helped him. Not at all. Josh McDaniel comes from New England. They're pretty uh, infamous for implementing uh, tormenting running back 
by committees. My goodness, you can never trust a New England running back. Maybe that's how the Raiders operate this backfield. Again, we don't know, but it's certainly a likelier possibility than it was when they uh, did not have McDaniel. They bring in Devontae Adams, who clearly right away, like, yeah, sure, maybe the defense respects the passing game a little bit more. But in all likelihood, the offense is probably going to funnel through this passing game. Sorry, Josh Jacobs, you haven't been too involved as a receiver. You're not proven as a receiver. Kind of sounds like Zamir White, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but right away, you have Adams there taking work. Uh, they do draft White, who's in there. Kenyon Drake and Brandon Bolden are there. And Bolden every season has like one game where you're like, oh, yeah maybe I should pick him up because he just got a lot of work in the passing game that's kind of Drake too so everything the Raiders have done this offseason just seems to be the final nail in the coffin in any dynasty value Jacobs will have so right there two running backs who at one point looked pretty promising for the future in James Robinson and Josh Jacobs now uh not feeling it you you agree with us there Jeff or are you are you buying the dip as some people would say no, I, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I, I want nothing to do with Josh Jacobs. <laughs> it seems like the Raiders don't want anything to do with them either. So at least you agree with them on that one. Uh, <laughs> but this has been our first ever Dynasty stock watch, dipping our toes in Dynasty here on the Breakout Football Podcast. Jeff, man, it was awesome to have you on, not just hear your thoughts about these specific players, but kind of get a little little more insight into how Dynasty works. We appreciate you, man. Any, any final words or final plugs where everyone can find all your awesome stuff? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at the fantasy end. Um, like you mentioned, I am a writer for the fantasy footballers. Um, and I do a, a, a podcast with one of my best friends. Um, it's maybe a little bit of fantasy and just kind of like bullshitting called tackle dummies. So you can find me um, at those, those locations. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. This was a ton of fun and it was an honor. Yeah, man, you are so welcome on when we think Dynasty will be thinking about you. Make sure you guys follow Jeff. Uh, if you loved what Cole and I had to say or hated it, it's totally fair in this environment. Uh, feel free to let us know on social media. He is at Ham Analysis on all social media. I am Zach Cohen FB. Next week, Cole, I got an idea for something really freaking weird, and I think I know the perfect guest to have us do it. It won't be Jeff for this one, but we will definitely have you on at some other point, Jeff. Uh, this has been the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Link Me as per tradition. Cole, why don't you end the show? I think I've been rambling enough. Dude, you've got me on the edge of my seat, so I guess me, uh, Jeff, all our listeners, you better stay locked to hear uh, Zach's surprise guest and idea for, for next week. But until then, stay locked, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.